At this point, every information portal is saturated with mindfulness content. But this show is a unique, unusual, curious take on mindfulness. Some of what you hear will be completely new to you. Let's dive in and take a look at the nature of the aware mind. I invite you to deepen your awareness so that you may be liberated and inspired. We are here with Sarah Vallely, mindfulness teacher, coach, and author. Sarah has been teaching meditation and mindfulness for the past two decades, training and certifying others to teach mindfulness. Sarah is the author of four books. Her latest book is titled Tame, Soothe, Dwell, The 55 Teachings of TSD Mindfulness. Today's podcast, we discuss the seven unique stress types. We actually give you a follow-along quiz that you can take. We give you all the information on where you can reach the quiz. We also discuss how knowing your unique stress type can greatly help you reduce your stress. I'm Jacob Drossett. We are here with Sarah Vallely. Sarah, how are you? I'm great, Jacob. Thanks. I've been teaching meditation and mindfulness for 20 years, and I've come up with my own strategies, tools, exercises for mindfulness coaching. When I work with clients, I don't necessarily teach them how to have a sitting practice. Instead, I teach them five-minute exercises. And the idea is if they use the right exercise at the right time during the day, they're going to see huge shifts. The way I figure out which exercises to teach them is based on their unique stress type. Is there other processes you use to check in and see what people need? Or is that like you're figuring out their stress type is to your main one or you have multiple ways like assess of assessment? Yeah. So I have one assessment that I do that's really short. It's a 15 question assessment and I do this for free. This is what I do during a free consultation over the phone. And they take that and I can tell them right away what their stress type is and then exactly what I can do to help support them. And then when they start working with me, I have a longer assessment that takes about 30 minutes to complete. And from that, I start to understand the nuances of their particular stress type, which gives me even more information to really target exactly what they're going through. And then during coaching, the the tools often serve as an assessment. I can better understand what's going on when we work through, use the tool. I love that you use the word to support them rather than like help them or fix them or, or whatever. Thanks. Yeah. It feels that way because people that I work with, a lot of them are just so close. Like they, maybe they even already have a meditation practice. Maybe they already have a bunch of tools. They're so close, but they just need just a little extra support, just a little extra advice, a few extra exercises to just push them um, out of the stressful experience that they're having. There's seven stress types. The first is the thinker. The majority of their stress is a result of their own thinking cycles, whether it's rumination, worry, catastrophic thinking. They can really see some huge shifts just by simply being mindful of those thought cycles and using some strategies to minimize those thought cycles. The stress type that activated the majority of their stress is actually a result of their sympathetic nervous system, their fight or flight responses. We all go into fight or flight, but some of us have a more difficult time pulling ourselves out of fight or flight. For somebody who has a real balanced nervous system, they're just going to automatically pull themselves out of fight or flight when on a mental level, they realize everything's fine. But somebody who has an anxiety disorder or struggles in this way is going to need some extra support and tools. The sensitive, the majority of their stress is due to past trauma. 
they can feel really emotional, a lot of feelings of abandonment, loss, rejection, things like that coming out. But their mind is pretty clear and their nervous system is pretty balanced. I'll be honest, this is an unusual stress type. If someone has that trauma, they're usually going to either also have things going on with their thought cycles and or their nervous system. But if you are the stress type, the sensitive, then a self-compassion practice is huge. Learning some short self-compassion strategies can completely shift this around. And the next stress type is the concerned. This person is experiencing stress due to a combination of their own thought cycles that I mentioned and their fight or flight responses. They're going to do really well with learning tools and exercises that soothe their fight or flight responses and also quiet and tame their mind a bit. And the next stress type is the survivor. This survivor stress type, uh, what's going on is their fight or flight is being resolved really quickly or not getting triggered, but their mind is going into overdrive with lots of thoughts that are causing stress and anxiety, possibly depression. And they're also getting their past trauma re-triggered. This is my stress type. Uh, this is a typical stress type of somebody who's considered a trauma survivor, because when we went through trauma, when we were a kid, we got through it by just barreling ahead and just going forward. There's only two more stress types here. The next one is the emotive and the emotive stress type. Their stress is coming from a combination of their fight or flight triggers and their past trauma. It can feel really physical. There's this relationship happening between the nervous system and the past trauma, uh, and it can be pretty intense and it can be pretty emotional. Someone with this stress type would do really well with a self-compassion practice, even if it's just a few minutes here and there during the day using some self-compassion strategies and also learning some exercises for soothing their fight or flight responses. The last stress type is called the griever and the griever, they have experienced past trauma. So they're getting re-triggered based on their past trauma. They might be experiencing feelings of betrayal, loss, rejection, things of that nature, abandonment. And then that's really triggering their mind to go into overdrive, going into a lot of thought cycles, which is causing additional stress. And then their fight or flight responses are also getting triggered. So it's a really intense place to be. It can be emotional, physical, and mental. You might not feel like you're grieving, but the base of it, when you really get down to the bottom of the experience, there is a lot of grief there because you might be grieving that you didn't have a healthy childhood. You might be grieving that you aren't able to pursue the career that you'd like to pursue due to your anxiety and stress, possibly depression. You might be grieving relationships because it's difficult to have a healthy relationship when we've got all three of these situations going on. Interesting. So hold on. Do you have this information for free on your website? One of the assessments that you can take to find out your stress type is actually on my website for free. It's on the sarahvallely.com page, which is S-A-R-A-H, V as in Victor, A-L-L-E-L-Y.com. At the bottom of my homepage is this test. 
And to get the results from this test, all you need to do is schedule a phone call or a Zoom with me and I can go over the results with you. The other option for finding out your stress type is on the blog that corresponds with this episode, I will post the actual test. You can look at it on your screen or print it out and take the test. And then I will also post a sheet that describes each unique stress type and then what scores you need to get to get that stress type. So you can just do that on your own and and find out what your stress type is. And you can also read what are some of the exercises and tools that you can do to really help yourself. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. And then if people wanted to get some, you know, specialized training and and then honestly, just like make it more automated, they could work with you. Or you can just go to my website, fill out the form, and then I will set up a a time to chat, which is totally free. (laughs) Yeah. So Jacob took my 15 question survey and we diagnosed him. We figured out what his stress type is. What we found was He got a high score in the category that has to do with past trauma. So that shows me that if he's had any past trauma, then he's done some healing work around that. And also shows me that he has good connections and community and and a spiritual practice, probably. He got his lowest score in the category that has to do with fight or flight responses, which is pretty typical for males. I have found a lot of males, their lowest score is in the fight or flight category. My theory is, is that our culture puts men in this role where they need to be the protectors. So they are in this, you know, survival mode, really in tune with their survival instincts and sometimes staying in that fight or flight for longer than that's comfortable. And then his, his second lowest score, he got in the category that has to do with thought cycles. And so that shows me that there's probably some rumination, worry, catastrophic thinking that's adding to his stress. We all have things going on in our lives that cause stress, but due to our internal emotional psychological system, we're handling that stress in different ways. If we can really see what part of our system is struggling, then we can support that part of our system and then move through our stress in a much easier way. So the stress type that Jacob is, is he's the concerned. So that's a combination of stress due to your own thinking, Jacob, and to your fight or flight responses. What do you think? Does that seem pretty accurate? Yeah. The first part about catastrophic thinking and thought cycles and rumination, that's a a fully genetic. That's why I've been uh, so adamant about meditation and things. It's really helped a lot with that, but still, I still have those pings of thoughts. I'll stay with it for a while. I I definitely feel it that I I have a lot of work to do around that and and soothing that. But the, uh, the central nervous system thing is very interesting. That's something my wife has actually been pointing out the whole like gun violence thing that's been going on in America. I know when I'm out and about in town, if I see anybody that looks even a little bit suspicious, my nervous system gets very, uh, it starts freaking out basically. And because I just, I just have concern about, about that. And I know realistically the likelihood of me or somebody I love being involved in gun violence is relatively low. So recently like that has been something that I've felt my body not being able to release, especially in social media. I ask people, is there anything that I can do to help, you know, because I just can't stop thinking about the fact that a school got shot up and it's so terrifying and it's so sad that I, I've felt that for days. My stress response has already been a bit off 
And this was just kind of a cherry on top. This was the moment where I started to really pick up like, wow, I've really been off kilter already for a period of time. This was very enlightening though. I have great friends. I have a, a, a great community You know, I've done therapy. So I have worked with trauma and, and then I do have a contemplative practice, but then I still, I don't have any strategies for my nervous system. I haven't done enough work with rumination and things, I guess, or maybe I have, I should give myself credit, but you know, I've got a lot of work to do. Sarah, could you help me? What yeah, can we do? Yeah. What I have found over the years is that traditional mindfulness does a really good job of helping tame our thought cycles. It's, it really does well with that. But I don't believe our traditional mindfulness practice necessarily does a good job with our fight or flight responses. It's a little bit. I mean, it helps a little, but not enough in many cases. That's why in my coaching and the classes that I teach, I do have a whole curriculum that addresses fight or flight responses. And we move away from traditional mindfulness and use some other techniques. One suggestion is thinking about a few aspects of your life that bring you feelings of stability. So that might be a relationship. I know you and your wife are really tight. Just thinking about your relationship with your wife, someone listening, it could be your, your house. Maybe your house just brings that feeling of stability for you, or maybe it's your job, or maybe it's more from nature. Maybe it's the mountains or the sun coming up every day. And I know it sounds really simple and easy, but I call this four and five. So taking five minutes to think about four different aspects of your life that bring you feelings of stability, just thinking about each one for about a minute or so. And that can actually have a huge effect on your fight or flight. Maybe you added that. Uh, other people that I work with really like affirmations. If your fight or flight is about moving into emotions that you're really uncomfortable feeling, then an affirmation of, I am safe to experience my emotions no matter the intensity. Jacob, we're going to take a 32-second break. Hey, join us for an online package. This is for couples and for those in between relationships. The title of this package is Solitude and Partnership. It's about creating stronger connection as well as becoming a stronger individual within the relationship. With this package, you'll participate in six online classes, private coaching, and an online mindfulness retreat. Cancel anytime if it doesn't feel like a good fit for you. Find out more at sarahvalley.com. And we're back. You know, this is very, very, very interesting. When summer began, the weather started warming up. I started uh, taking my morning walks again and getting sun exposure. You get a natural dose of melatonin. So then at nighttime, you crash really hard. But nighttime, I was doing my, my nighttime meta practice because sometimes at nighttime, I would feel like a CNS arousal and my core temperature was too high. And it was like, oh, I'm probably not going to sleep. I would start with like my wife or my cats. And then I would go out to my parents and, and just wish, and then just kind of spiral out in my life to friends and then grandparents and aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody, and just visualize them being blissfully happy. And I would immediately pass out every single time. One, because it could get kind of boring by the time you get to your third cousin and you're like, okay, you know, it's kind of like counting, but it definitely feels like this is a good thing for me to do. By the way, if you're new to this stuff, that sounds insane. I know I would have said that. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Are we going to chant and, and do the little sound bowl thing and, and, and light some candles? Yeah. Yeah. No, but it, it's, it's real. It works scientifically proven. But funny enough, because I've been getting that dose of melatonin, I've been crashing at night. I haven't done that in weeks. I, had, I hadn't even thought of that. 
But I do believe that that is a tactic that I have for grounding myself to feeling more calm and you know comfortable. And I think that, that since that practice has gotten taken out of my life, I think that that has definitely contributed to my CNS being out of whack. That's so funny. I, I would have never put those two together until you brought that up. I've got to add my meta practice back in. That has definitely thrown me off kilter over the past few weeks. Meta practice is simply saying, I wish for myself to have peace. I wish for myself to be healthy, for example. And then I wish for someone else to have peace. I wish for someone else to be healthy or have joy or be free from suffering. And then saying that all beings, I wish for all beings to feel at peace, have joy, free from suffering, things like that. I can see how that meta practice would actually soothe your nervous system. One of the reasons is because gratitude is another highly effective way to soothe your nervous system. And you probably bring in some of those feelings of stability when you're doing your meta practice. Yeah, I think that's great. So for me, what was really helpful to understand my stress type, being the survivor and knowing that the majority of my stress is from my own thinking and from my past trauma is leaning into that heart work, understanding that that heart work is so important for me. And so what that looks like is tuning into those feelings of abandonment and loss and grief and rejection and being okay with myself with these feelings and using self-compassion practices such as even though I feel this rejection, even though I feel this abandonment, I'm loved I am worthy of that love. I'm connected. I'm a good person. That's been huge for my healing. Practice of noting is really effective for my thought cycles. So some of my big thought cycles, I call emphasis and rehearsal. Rehearsal is when in your head, you are rehearsing what you're going to say later, for example. And so me being mindful that I'm in that mode and then just simply saying, oh, I'm in rehearsal and I might even say to myself, life isn't a rehearsal. And then, and then I get like five minutes free of just peace. When we're not mindful. We really get wrapped up in it, which is not helpful. <laughs> it's better to kind of take that step back. Do you do any practices like that? One is I'll think to myself, how often have you solved a problem this far into thinking about it? The answer is never, not one time. Mm-hmm. I, every once in a while, I'll catch myself if I'm really going in on something. Like, how often have you been 20 minutes in this car ride thinking about an issue and then been like, aha, never. I don't have epiphanies like that. I never have. I'm just ruminating. It's not the answer. Usually, if I distract myself in, in a positive way, then I'll get an answer to an issue, but never from ruminating. That's one. Yeah. Two is I'll say, who are you talking to? If I'm driving down the road and I'm just going in on something, I'll be like, who are you talking to right now? There's nobody there. What you see is what is happening. This is your life right now in front of you, not the conversation. Yeah. The research shows that the majority of people who overthink or do that rumination that you're talking about, they believe that that overthinking is helpful, but the research also shows that overthinking is actually not helpful and is detrimental, leads to anxiety and depression. So I love that you were mindful that you were in that type of thinking and you talked to yourself and said, you know what, this isn't helpful. I mean, that just in itself can be great. And I love that you are talking to your own thinking. I've found that with my clients and myself to be a real game changer. 
when I was talking about doing that rehearsal, I might say life is in a rehearsal and you need to say it in a gentle way. It's just a gentle, gentle reminder. And then this emphasis type of thinking I do a lot, I'll say something a day ago and then I'll find myself in my mind, like saying it again, like I'm emphasizing it. And so one of the ways I'll talk to myself when I do that is I'll just say gently, when you said it a day ago, you were heard. (laughs) You don't need to say it again. We're good. I have some case studies that are available on my website. And this first case study, she lost her husband two years before we started working together. And she was having really strained relationships with her adult children. And she was the stress type of the survivor. So she had a lot going on with her thought cycles and also past trauma. After we worked together for only four sessions, her distraction decreased by 70%. Her confusion decreased by 62%. Her doubt decreased by 43%. Her stress decreased by 40%, along with some other improvements. What could you point to as some techniques or tactics that you use to help get those results? She also was suffering from a lot of rumination, especially about her mothering. That's something a lot of us mothers do when we get older, we start ruminating about the past and what we could have done differently. And so first it was helping her become aware that that was happening. So in the moment during the day, she could become aware. And then it was also helping her become mindful of what instigates those rumination episodes. She realized that when she was at the park and she saw other children and actually animals also were an instigator for her to going into those rumination episodes. So that was really helpful. She could kind of be aware in advance and use some techniques in advance before it got uh, out of hand. Using the noting was helpful. And also redirecting. Once she was aware of her rumination or possibly going into rumination, she would redirect to something physical in the environment. And she was going through grief. And what a lot of us do when we're grieving is we move into devaluing ourselves and into shame. And so her becoming mindful of that process of her thinking that she was a lesser of a person because she'd lost her husband, because she was having difficulty with some of her relationships, because she was feeling lost in grief. So we did a lot of work around self-compassion. Another woman that I work with had the unique stress type of the thinker. And she also had lost someone. She'd lost her brother the year before. She was a business owner. She has three young children and she has a lot of creativity. Being the thinker, the majority of her stress was coming from her own thought cycles. So it looks like after four sessions, she had like over 40% decrease on all the things like distraction, stress, shame, feelings of being provoked, confusion, and overwhelm. In some cases, uh, up to 65% decrease. That's pretty crazy. The creativity part was actually huge for her. She had no idea prior to this experience that she was having so much stress as a result of her creativity. Because what was happening was a creative idea would come and then she would just roll with it. And she felt so obligated to carry out that idea. And what we realized was that stress around urgency and stress around being burdened by her own creativity was causing a great amount of stress. And so once she was mindful of that process and used some mindfulness techniques, she was able to really turn that around and realize that she didn't have to follow through with all of her creative ideas. 
That's really interesting. How common is it that you're able to to pinpoint so accurately in people's lives like that? Like to point to one thing that's like, oh, I didn't realize that. I have over 60 tools and using these tools, that's what they do. We go through, there's a process. It's a lot of process of elimination. I'll ask a lot of questions and we're like, well, no, that's not it. Oh, no, that's not it. Oh, this is it. This is what really is resonating with me. This is what's happening. So that's that's part of it. That's why I can see these huge results in just four sessions. It's so targeted. That's interesting. So what I do with people is we start off with three exercises and then we just see how those respond to that person's body. And then I have a library of a seemingly infinite amount of exercises that we can go through. How does your body feel when we do this? If it's sketchy, okay, let's regress or change to this. And that's fascinating. It's the same process essentially. Reassessment is so important. We both have backgrounds in teaching, so that might be part of it. When we are educated to become teachers, it's drilled into us to constantly reassess to find yeah, out where the students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's where a lot of this comes from. I also base it a lot on the model of physical therapy. Yeah, because what happens when you have physical therapy is they assess you when you come in. They give you specific exercises based on what your physical ailments are, and then they reassess you to see if those exercises are helping. Same exact process that I use. Remind me, if somebody wants to take this test and figure out their stress type and then get some some tips and, and strategies, where do they go to do that? You can either go to my website, sarahvallely.com, S-A-R-A-H, V as in Victor, A-L-L-E-L-Y.com. And at the bottom of that page is the test. I can tally up your results and we can discuss them over a phone call or Zoom. Or you can go to the blog post that corresponds with this episode and download the materials to test yourself. I highly recommend doing the call with Sarah because then she's going to be able to give you a couple of strategies like off the cuff right there. I've had a couple of realizations that happened within 15 minutes, the stuff that I was totally unaware of. So that's amazing. Yeah. The last person I gave this 15 question assessment to, he said he learned more about himself from that assessment than he did in a month of going to therapy once a week. Like he was just blown away by what he learned about himself. The Aware Mind Podcast is a TSD mindfulness production. Please visit our website at tsdmind.org. That is T as in tame, S as in soothe, and D as in dwell. Mind as in mindfulness.org. Check out our blog post for this episode with links to supplemental information such as worksheets you can use to put into practice the mindfulness skills shared in this episode. Also, please sign up for our newsletter and receive mindfulness tips. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at aware underscore mind underscore podcast. Thank you.